Hello, this is Pastor Pete Beck III with LifeNet in Burlington, North Carolina. Welcome to today's podcast, where I introduce a new series called Wonderful Counseling. This is part one, an introduction. I hope you'll stick with me throughout the entire series. I think you'll find it very profitable. Let's begin. The Almighty God of the universe sent His Son, Jesus, to the earth on a mission to rescue and set people free from the awful tyranny and hopelessness of sin and its consequences. Human bondage began when Adam and Eve opened the floodgates of evil by abandoning and betraying their creator and sustainer, having been duped by the lying serpent into suspecting that God was a liar. Their decision to make a go at living independently from God proved to be the downfall of the entire race. Adam and Eve separated themselves from the life of God when they sinned. They were still physically alive, but the death process had begun to work. Their spirits were cut off from the Holy Spirit. Their minds and hearts were darkened, and their bodies began to die through what we call the aging process. Sickness, physical, societal, emotional, and spiritual entered the picture. Satan's promise of their becoming like God turned out to be a horrendous lie. One of the things we learned from their fall is that humans, even newly created ones, did not possess an innate immunity to Satan's deception. Afterward, because our minds were darkened by sin, we became even more susceptible to the lies of Satan. The Bible says that the entire creation took a nosedive that day, being subjected to bondage as a form of God's judgment. I read from Romans 8, 20 to 21 in the English Standard Version. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. As bad as that day was, it is important that we see that God offered hope to the human race from the very beginning of his judgment upon our sin. God's punishment was meant to be restorative, ultimately, but for that to happen, his son would have to die and rise again. When the law was later introduced at Mount Sinai, it exposed how deep our sinfulness runs. It also brought upon the human race a new problem, what the Bible calls the curse of the law, which is God's specific judgment upon sin. Protection against evil spirits was also removed as a result of our rejection of God and his ways. When Jesus arrived on the planet, things had been spiraling into a deepening darkness for centuries because generation after generation had drunk deeply from the poisoned cup of sin. The ripples of our lawlessness and rebellion escalated into a mad torrent of crashing waves of destruction and judgment. 
After patiently waiting for God's appointed time for 30 years, Jesus launched his public ministry with these words. And I quote from Luke 4, 18 through 21, this time from the New English Translation. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and the regaining of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. And then he began to tell them today, this scripture has been fulfilled even as you heard it being read. The above passage is the closest thing to a mission statement that Jesus gave us. For the next three years, Jesus went about, quote, doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him, end of quote. That's from Acts 10.38. During his public ministry years, Jesus made withdrawals upon a future deposit he would make into heaven's bank. The authority and power he used to heal to release people from demons and to forgive sins was based upon what he would accomplish later through his death and resurrection. Each time he set a person free, he drove the nails a little deeper into his hands and feet. There was no way out for him. He had to pay the price, having made himself a debtor to God's system of justice, which he did obediently and without complaint. When the innocent Lamb of God gave himself over to death, he defeated Satan, the one who had previously held the keys of bondage and death. When our Lord rose from the dead, the power of sin, Satan, and death were effectively smashed. And yet, we still see people, even followers of Christ, living in all sorts of sin and bondage. What gives? God's plan was always for his people to rule and reign alongside the Lord Jesus. After he ascended into heaven where he sits at God the Father's right hand, Jesus delegated his authority to us who represent him to the world. He has given us his Holy Spirit to indwell and empower us. Now those who make up the church have the privilege and responsibility to proclaim his message of redemption and reconciliation to the Father and to release people from what holds them prisoner. Jesus' mission statement is now our mission statement. What he did on the earth during the short period of his public ministry, we are now to accomplish until he comes again to wrap things up. The Great Commission involves more than just telling people about what Jesus did for them and asking them to believe on him as Lord and Savior. Christ followers are to demonstrate the power of the kingdom of God as well as proclaim the words of the gospel. Paul made it clear that the good news is meant to be delivered in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
That's in 1 Thessalonians 1, 4, and 5. God has given us, the church, the authority, the power, and the tools to accomplish this mission. In the following articles under the general heading of Finding Freedom in Christ, my desire is to present an overview of what I call Wonderful Counseling, or WC for short, because it depends on the ongoing ministry of Jesus, who is called the Wonderful Counselor in Isaiah 9-6. WC integrates the truth of God's Word, the power and gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the basic principles of repentance and faith to help people experience a real and growing freedom from sin and bitterness, deliverance from what I call lie-based strongholds, healing for inner hurts, and release from demonization as needed and desired. I will do my best to base all of this solidly on God's Word and give practical application based on what I have seen work. God has done some amazing things through this ministry, and I hope that you will be encouraged that God cares deeply about you and wants you to be free too. The best revenge we can get against the devil for all he has done to us is to allow God to set us free and use us to help others walk free from his clutches. Hello, this is Pastor Pete Beck III with LifeNet in Burlington, North Carolina. Welcome to today's podcast in the wonderful counseling series. This is part two entitled Understanding the Components of Bondage. You may wish to go to my website to view the entire series. Let's begin. I believe that any sane person would agree that the world is in a seemingly hopeless situation. We cannot even agree on the nature or root of the main problem, and we fight over how to solve it, believing that the other side's solution is actually making matters worse. Human fixes generally have side effects that introduce a whole new set of unintended consequences. Individuals, families, corporations, people groups, and nations pursue selfish agendas at the expense of the less fortunate and less powerful. Ignorance, poverty, sickness, and disease ravage the human race. Wars, genocide, and infanticide, and general inhumanity to others abound. Religions vie for top dog status, their inherent adherents often being willing to kill and oppress non-believers. Prisons are filled with those who flaunt the laws of civilized society, and those who believe in biblical values find themselves in a kind of twilight zone world where what was once considered vile a generation ago is now paraded and applauded as good and normal. How did we get here? Is there any way out, either corporately or individually? The Bible teaches us that God created a world in which there was order and goodness. He placed the first couple in an ideal situation. 
where all their needs were supplied with a minimum of work. They were commanded to increase and multiply. Those first humans enjoyed the privilege of walking and talking with God. They were naked and unashamed, apparently clothed with a sort of aura of glory. They had it made, but since they had nothing with which to compare their situation, they were prone to think something might be wrong. God gave them amazing freedom with only one prohibition. They were forbidden to eat from the knowledge, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We learn from this that God created us to be dependent beings who only need to know what God reveals to us. If we could be satisfied to know him, be with him, and depend on his continual grace and loving kindness, we would be happy and thrive. You probably know the story. Satan cleverly deceived them into doubting God's goodness and motives and to desire more than God had given them, which set them up to do the unthinkable. They did the one thing that could bring down the whole system of blessings and life. They turned away from God, choosing to try to live independently from him by relying on their own wits, discernment, and strength. They chose to believe the devil's lie instead of God. That rebellious act of disobedience set in motion what we see today. It opened the door to the horrific consequences of living apart from God and gave the keys of authority to our arch enemy, Satan. Instead of being under God's protection, man was now victim and prey contributing to his own demise by continuing to be deceived and, to, and cooperating with our new tyrannical master. Romans 5, 12-21 teaches us that Adam's sin opened the door to death, condemnation, and the reign of sin in the human race. Let's examine this in more detail. God built within humanity the ability to procreate, that is, to reproduce after our own kind. I'll quote from Genesis 1, 26 through 28. This is the New American Standard Bible. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You see, we are much more than physical beings. The Bible teaches that we are uniquely and marvelously a combination of spirit 
and flesh, the joining of which produces what the Bible calls the soul, which in the following verse is translated living being, and the personality. Genesis 2-7 reads, and this is from the New English translation, the Lord God formed the man from the soil of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, or the spirit, and the man became a living being or soul. Not only do we pass on our physical DNA when we have children, we also pass on a kind of spiritual genetics, the sin nature and proclivities toward evil that were encoded into Adam and Eve when they first transgressed. That sin nature has been passed on to each successive generation since the fall. This inherited indwelling propensity to sin is the root of most of our problems. This means that people who have never been born again by the Spirit of God have for their default mode to live counter to what produces goodness, life, and order. No one has to teach a baby how to be self-centered. It comes naturally. No two-year-old needs a course on how to be defiant. It comes naturally. No adult needs to learn how to be tempted and to do all manner of evil things. It just comes with the package. In addition to this huge problem is the additional compounding effect that sin has upon people, families, people, groups, and nations. Just as a stone thrown into a perfectly calm pool causes ripples that spread outwardly and eventually destroy the tranquility of the entire pool, sin also has a ripple effect. To get a better idea, imagine throwing two rocks into the pool simultaneously. Watch what happens. The ripples will go to the edge of the pool and then rebound back, causing an intersection with other ripples. Now, throw several more rocks into the pool in different places, including a couple of really big ones. Now imagine that the number of rocks thrown into the pool increases geometrically in size and number. I hope you get the picture. Sin's ripple effect eventually produces a turbulent, choppy, and disordered world where once there was serenity and peace. This world is also a dangerous place to live. When people are born, they come into this confusion that sin has created, fully equipped with a sin nature. They are impacted by sin from within and from without. The sin within propels us to do our own part to contribute to the already existing mess. The impact of sin from the outside further exacerbates things, often doing incredible damage to our already marred personalities. It is as if, in many cases, the little ones are born into a virtual landslide of evil that carries them right over the cliff into the abyss. For example, children from broken homes never get the chance to experience family life the way God intended. 
They have missing or broken pieces in their personality and flawed ideas about how to be a man or a woman, a husband or a wife, or even a child. Think of the little girls and boys born into families where generations of sexual abuse and incest have been the norm. What are their chances of growing up with any sense of normalcy? What about the little babies born in war-ravaged and poverty-stricken areas of the world? What about those born into political and religious systems that resist and prohibit the gospel from ever being heard? What are their chances to experience the life that God desires for us at creation? The list of examples goes on. Some people call this progression of evil generational sin. Regardless of what label we use, it's real. Individuals and families pass on problems and proclivities to their offspring without God's intervention. Things are actually much worse because there is also a being who commands hordes of like-minded beings who has a master plan and an insatiable desire to ravage and destroy humanity. As you probably know, his biblical name is Satan. He's the adversary. The devil has a plan for your life to kill, steal, and destroy you. He's a master deceiver, accuser, and intimidator. He does not play fair and uses any and all means to oppress and harm human beings. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the authority God gave to humans was effectively transferred to Satan. For centuries, the devil has used his rule to drag multitudes into hell with him and make life here on earth intolerable for countless people. Although Jesus dealt Satan a death blow on the cross, he is still being allowed to deceive those who will listen to him. He is still leading people astray. He is still stealing, killing, and destroying. And if you are a follower of Christ, he hates you and is working against you. Don't worry. God will somehow get glory from all of this. As a result of this activity and the inner workings of of sin and our sin imperative ability to think, we end up afflicting ourselves by choosing to believe lies which are a form of idolatry. They are more important to us than the truth whose name is Jesus. They propel us to disobedience and keep us locked up in spiritual prisons of our own making. The Bible calls these self-inflicted inner prisons of lies strongholds. I prefer to call them lie-based strongholds. And Paul teaches us that they keep us from knowing, believing, and acting upon the truth about God and life. Let me quote from 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we live as human beings, we do not wage war according to human standards. For the weapons of our warfare are not human weapons, but they are made powerful by God for tearing down strongholds. We tear down arguments and every arrogant 
obstacle that is raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to make it obey Christ. That's the New English translation. These strongholds stand between us and the freedom that could be ours through Christ via the gospel. Notice that here, for the first time, I mentioned that there is a way out of this mess. The gospel is all about Jesus Christ, who is the truth, and what he did to accomplish our deliverance. Satan operates in the milieu of the lie. If we're going to get out of this quagmire of death and deception, we must allow God to tear down any lie-based strongholds that we may have embraced. And believe me, everyone has them. Working in tandem with these deeply held lies, many people have experienced enormous hurts in their lives, which have been which have deeply traumatized them and in many cases produced a fertile seedbed for growing lies about God. For example, if a young girl was sexually abused by her grandfather over several years, as an adult, she will most likely question the goodness of her heavenly father. After all, could not he have prevented this horrible evil? And if he did not protect her then, how can she know that he is worthy of her trust now? So we see that the pain inflicted by evil can easily set us up to believe lies about God, which in turn can block us from believing the truth, which is able to set us free. Jesus said in John 8:32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The good news is that Jesus is the great healer and is well able to heal those deeply wounded areas of our souls, but usually it requires us to pursue him for that healing. Lastly, many individuals are harassed and oppressed by demons. The Bible is unclear regarding the origin and exact nature of these malevolent beings, but makes it clear that they are real and, when relevant, their oppression must be removed from people so they can experience complete freedom. Jesus continually encountered and removed these pests from those to whom he ministered while he walked the roads of Israel. Acts 10, 37 through 38 provides this great summary of his ministry. It says, quote, you know what happened throughout Judea beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John announced with respect to Jesus from Nazareth, that God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. That's the New English translation. Demons gain access by various means. Often we open the door through participation in some sin, especially sexual sin and occult practices. Sometimes demons seem to be passed on through families, which somewhere along the line opened the door to them. Sometimes 
they gain access when people undergo trauma. In other words, sometimes it is our own fault that we are demonized, and sometimes we are the victims of collateral damage resulting from the sins of others. The devil does not care. He will jump through any open door he can find. Many are tormented today because of these creatures and don't even know it. You may have noticed that I began this paragraph describing the worldwide mess sin has produced and have concluded by focusing on the problems that individuals face. This is because I want you to see that people's problems and issues are bigger than their own situation. However, the gospel focuses largely on the individual. Jesus came to set the human race free one person at a time. When enough people experience the liberation found in Christ through the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit, families, communities, nations will be transformed. The following articles in this series will be an attempt to explain how Jesus can and will set us free from every layer of bondage. You can personally experience freedom in Christ and you can move from being part of the problem to part of the solution. I hope you'll stick with me.